Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by TripInsurance.com. Travel insurance done right. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, what's up? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. So happy to have you here. Coming up a little later on in the program, we'll get a full review of the Crown Princess. Yeah, listener Vicky took the Crown Princess on a California coastal cruise, so uh, we'll get a full review from her later. Also, uh, about uh, eight months ago, ten months ago, we were aboard, actually it was last July, so almost a year ago, we were aboard Carnival Legend, and Amadeus and I met this onboard singer-songwriter who uh, played in the pub there. Her name is Angie Kilhauer. Well, she uh, checked in with us a couple of days ago, so Amadeus will be interviewing her a little later on in the program to see what's going on in her life. Big things to come. But yeah, speaking of big things, how about Carnival banning plastic bottles aboard their ships, creating quite the crap storm uh, all over social media. So uh, we'll check in with Stuart Chira on the cruise guy right now. What's up, Stuart? Hey, Doug. Jumping right to it, no more plastic bottles on Carnival ships, huh? Well, I mean, really, Doug, what they're doing is, uh, you know, and, and this is really something that is a phenomenon that only occurs on Carnival. Passengers sailing on Royal Caribbean and Princess and Holland American Celebrity are not affected because it never happens. But for some reason, you've got Carnival passengers showing up at the pier with one, two, or three cases of bottled water. And that's in addition to whatever doctored bottles they took out their Listerine and uh, added uh, you know, alcohol to it. But, uh, I mean, the, the big thing is you got people that are just bringing on not a couple, not a handful not an armful, but, I mean, cases of bottled <laughs> water. And, you know, you think, well, what's the big deal? Well, when you arrive at the pier and you see the line out the door and you see people, you know, cramming, you know, trying to cram these cases into the, 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 the security screeners, uh, it, it just takes forever. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it, it probably causes a, a 25% delay in the boarding process because, they have to unload the cases of water, then they've got to shove them through, then they've got to load them back up, and it's just taking forever. What do you think about all the response online about it? Have you seen anything, any of the comments well, or anything? I mean, I've seen some of the comments, and it's, it's kind of crazy. Again, this is just something that really is a phenomenon that's been happening on, on Carnival. It's not that big a deal. Leave your cases of soda. You know, I mean, it's amazing, Doug. If people get off the plane, uh, they, they head to you know, a Costco, and then they load up on these beverages. It's not what the cruise is about. I mean, I mean come on. You know, it's, I mean, not, not that there's anything wrong with people pulling up in the trailer or, or what it is, but you're going on a cruise. You're going on vacation. Go and have some fun. You know, it's, it, Doug, you, remember the, you probably don't remember the days when you used to pull up in the St. Thomas, and they had these huge liquor stores, mm-hmm. and people were buying duty-free liquor like there was no tomorrow. It's nothing compared today where it was, you know, let, let's say back in the uh, early 90s when people used to, you know, bring back, you know, five, ten bottles of liquor. But, you know, th- it came down to you're, you're saving yourself a dollar or two and you're having to schlep the liquor back to, the, back to your cabin. Of course, they're going to confiscate it. I mean, they're, they're going to hold it for your convenience until <laughs> the end of the cruise. And then they give it back to you. And then you've got to schlep it to the airport on the plane, off the plane. And, you know, for a couple of bucks of, of savings, you've got to be kidding. I mean, here you've got some individuals that are bringing way too much water. It's causing a major inconvenience for everybody. This isn't about, you know, saving 
uh, you know, getting an extra couple uh, you know, dollars off of drinks from pastors, this has really uh, you know, caused such an inconvenience to so many, to thousands of people every week. Yeah. And it's just, you know, they just said, you know what, enough's enough. You've had bottles that have exploded and it's gotten all over everything. It does provide, you know, security issues as well. Yeah. Um, Just to be clear, uh, so people know what we're talking about, as we said, you can, you know, buy the bottles of water from Carnival. So you can buy a 12 pack of water on their website for $2.99 plus tax and they'll deliver it to your stateroom. Or if you wait till you get on board the ship, they'll sell you a 12 pack of water for $4.99 plus gratuities for a 12 pack. So you can still get your water if you want it. I don't think that $2.99 is really. It's pretty reasonable, isn't it? It's very reasonable. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Doug, how, when was the last time you went on an airplane and were able to get twelve ounces of water for less than three dollars? Yeah, yeah, totally, definitely. And it's just you know, it's just they they've really had enough. Passengers have been complaining about it. It's it's just it's just too much. And you think of the amount of pass the crew that they're having to staff in the terminal to handle all this, to check everything, to make sure that you know everything is safe. Uh, it's just, you know, it just, you know, unfortunately, a, a certain group of people took this to the nth degree. Um, and it just, you know, they're, they're, what Carnival's trying to do is they're just trying to make the experience better for everyone. By no means is this a money grab. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on. The Norwegian Cruise Line announcing a new Ultimate Dining Package. I'm very confused here. So can you clear this up? Because I thought they already had the Ultimate Dining Package available to guests. Well, Doug, I, I think what they acknowledged was that they're ultimate dining package really wasn't the ultimate <laughs> this one is <laughs> and i think what they did is they they really created the ultimate confusion package mm-hmm. um it, it it is very confusing i mean they, they talk about flexibility that you can eat where you want when you want and you know that you have the freedom to, i thought that's what this was about for 14 years mm-hmm. <laughs> that it was supposed to already be uh, flexible but now they're they're offering you well you know for a, a set price that uh, you can purchase of your cruise anywhere from three to seven nights or three up to fourteen nights so you never have to eat in the main dining room which I mean on an NCL ship I mean good luck finding one to begin with um, I mean there's only uh, two and most people are eating out in in all kinds of different restaurants anyways but they're they're just trying to get I guess you know more people eating in their in the specialty restaurants. Paying more money up front, and then if you want, you could pay even more money if you want to eat in one of their a la carte restaurants, but it's not going to be as expensive. So, like, you know, I don't remember what Jeffrey's Zakarian's Ocean Blue, which, you know, a lot of people will say it's not that great, anyways, uh, a little overrated, but uh, instead of paying, what is it, $40, $45, you'll pay $15 um, on, on getaway or breakaway, um, you know, $10 for the Biamo and uh, or Norwegian Escape. But uh, it's supposed to, I guess, make it easier for everyone. But, you know, we've kind of gone through this a number of times, and it just seems more confusing than ever. We'll just have to stay tuned, I guess. Uh, In closing here, Stuart, listener question. If you have a question, you can email comments at cruiseradio.net. What are the cruise trends looking like for this fall? Doug, it's it's, it's a question that we certainly get seasonally. Um, There's always going to be some good deals, uh, you know, when the ships are repositioning back from Alaska and Europe, but I will tell you that, I mean, what, what is trending are higher prices, and the cruise lines are really not giving a whole lot back, because right now they don't have to, because, you know, bookings for, let's say, you know, the summer and the fall are higher than they have been since, let's say, 2008. They're doing very well, and, you know, they're not, they're not going to give away something if they don't have to, but, you know, there's going to be, 
you know, the, the traditional opportunities to save on the repositioning cruises. Uh, there's still going to be some last-minute European uh, opportunities in September, October, November for passengers wanting to take advantage of that. The Caribbean's looking great, and you know, we're certainly looking forward to seeing uh, Norwegian Escape when she uh, debuts in November. So you know, there's always, there's always going to be something good. Plus, there were more big news about my annual pass to Disney, finally. Oh, Doug, I'm so happy for you. I know you'll get a lot of use out of it. And, uh, you know, I think those commercials have had a profound impact on you. Yeah, yeah, they really have. Good job, Disney. Uh, we've been talking with Stuart Sheeran, the cruise guy. Find him at cruiseguy.com or on Twitter at cruiseguy. Thanks, man. My pleasure. This is Cruise Radio. When is your next cruise? Where are you going? And what are you going to do once you get there? Market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com offers savings up to 60% offshore excursions versus cruise line prices. Whether it's private, shared, scenic, historic, or family tours, CruisingExcursions.com has up to 12,000 excursions in over 700 ports worldwide, like Rome, Vatican City, St. Petersburg, in which we include the visas, Sydney, and Jamaica, just to name a few. You can even bundle your excursions for more savings. Make your next vacation affordable and unforgettable by visiting CruisingExcursions.com. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. If you missed any part of the show or want to hear more, go to cruiseradio.net and click on Radio Channel or go to iTunes and search Cruise Radio. Follow us on Twitter at Cruise Radio. We always like to get your cruise reviews. If you have one you'd like to share, shoot me an email, comments at cruiseradio.net. We're talking with Vicki Bone today. She just... Uh, we're talking with Vicki Bone today. She just got back from a seven-night repositioning California coastal cruise aboard Crown Princess, and she's on the line this evening. Hello, Vicki. Hey, Doug. Very good. So let's talk about your seven-night California coastal cruise aboard Crown Princess. So, uh, Vicki, before we get on to the ship itself, because I know you're a big Princess Cruises fan, uh, let's go back and uh, take a step back and talk about your pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to take this sailing, and what made you want to choose Crown Princess? Well, yes, I'm a huge fan of Princess. Uh, in fact, this was our 54th Princess cruise. Wow. Um, we, we wanted to get away. Um, we both really work hard uh, in, in, as transit drivers in Vancouver, and we love the Crown Princess. The Crown Princess is the ship we did South America on last year. So, you know, a long, long voyage. We made a lot of connections with people. And so we were sort of drawn, and we found a great deal, and we jumped on it quite last minute, about four weeks before we sailed. Very nice. And now you you sailed, you're actually in Vancouver, but you sailed out of Los Angeles. So logistically, was it hard getting to Los Angeles from Vancouver? Um, it's a really short flight. It was about a two-and-a-half-hour flight direct from Vancouver. Mm-hmm. on American Airlines, and uh, we flew in the night before because even though it's a short haul, you know, I still don't like to have that worriness over me. So after our work on the Friday, we flew down, got a hotel right near the pier, and it was a nice start to the vacation. 
I always think of L.A. like crazy traffic, like you see on TV all the time. Was it a pain in the butt getting to the pier? You know, uh, ironically, it was um, really rather quiet, except for the airport, of course. And we ended up just grabbing um, a taxi from the airport to the hotel, which is very close to the pier. And the next day, we ended up just walking to the pier. It's about a a 15-minute walk. Uh, We stayed at the Crown Plaza right there. Mm -hmm. Um, But they have a shuttle as well if you need to. Crown Plaza, a great way to start off the Crown Princess. So I like what you did there. Uh, so let's talk <laughs> about <good>. embarkation, uh, <laughs> getting onto Crown Princess. How was embarkation for you? Very, very smooth. Um, we do have priority boarding, but uh, we got there about one o'clock, and uh, we were able right away to get through to get our cards. Um, you know, fill out the health form, go through security, and they were already boarding. And because we were elite, we got to go right on right away. So I would say maybe 20 minutes from curb to getting on the ship. Nice. Now, I know you sailed Crown Princess last year, uh, but what were your impressions of Crown Princess this time around? I love that ship. I love that whole class of ship. I love um, the little um, areas like Adagios in the aft and Skywalkers and that aft pool. Um, It was going in for dry dock, so I was a little worried uh, that maybe I would be witnessing, um, you know, some wear and tear or really need, but absolutely not. Everything was top-notch right to the moment we got off the ship. it was great. It was a great ship. Very good. So let's talk about your stateroom. So what kind of stateroom did you have, and what were your impressions of it? Well, we originally, because we booked it so last minute, we just booked the lowest guarantee inside, and then the price kept coming down, and I would phone up my travel agent, and she would um, move me up in category. In fact, we ended up in a highest ocean view cabin, which was on Plaza Deck, which is very nice. That's Deck 5, so right near the coffee bar, which is a must for me in the morning. And we were the first forward cabin, which I thought would be great, until they put, dropped the lines when we when we were um, coming into port, you know, to tie up. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they call it, and unfortunately I'm not very techie that way, but the, the thing that wheels out the lines and then brings them back up... Uh-huh. For about an hour while we were docking and an hour when we were leaving, it felt like we had a whole vibrating bed. Well, the whole cabin was vibrating. (laughs) That's why they gave it to you. (laughs) Yeah. So I probably wouldn't book that cabin again, but maybe a couple bit, you know, a bit further down the hall would be great. Great location, really quiet, great big window view. Nice. Very good. Let's talk about the food on Crown Princess because uh, Princess has so many amazing venues on there. So let's talk. Let's start mm-hmm. out at the top. Is that called the Horizon? What is the uh, Lido Deck area called on Princess? You got it right. Horizon they Court? have the Horizon Court. Okay, and yeah. then just after that is the Cafe Carib. So there's two buffets that are usually open up there. What's the difference between and uh, that the was two? Great. Um, well, you'll find at lunchtime, the Horizon Court will normally have the normal, you know, American-style food. Uh, and then the Cabaret Caribe will often have some kind of theme. So I remember they had a Mexican theme one day. They had a seafood. And it also can sometimes happen at nighttime. They might do a German buffet up there, um, you know, or Italian or something. Sometimes at night, only one area is open, Horizon Court or Cafe Curie. But, oh, okay. yeah, so that, they were very good. Lots of great selection. 
Very good. And how about the main dining room? Main dining was, was excellent. This time we ended up going with traditional dining, which if anybody knows me, we never do. We always do what they call anytime dining or my time on other ships, on other lines. Um, we like the flexibility. But we had a waiter that we've gotten very close to, and we really wanted to sit with him in his section. So we did traditional. But it was a little bit of an odd cruise because we had two nights where we were in port, so it was open seating anyhow, and we dined at specialty restaurants two nights. So really, we only had three dining dining times with Mark, our, our waiter, um, in the traditional, and it, it was really good, although... I'm still a huge fan of any time, and traditional just doesn't suit us. Yeah, yeah, I feel you there. Let's talk about the specialty dining venues, because um, my favorite is the Crown yeah. Grill, but let's talk about yours. Yeah. What, uh, what specialty venues did you hit on this seven-night sailing? We did both. We weren't going to do either, but we ended up doing both. Um, uh, a friend of ours worked at the Crown Grill, so we had to go to the Crown Grill one night, and that was a, a really nice night. Um, we did notice a few things were kind of off, and I'm starting to notice, you know, with Princess and the Specialty, that it's just not as special as it usually is, mainly because of service. They seem to have cut back on, on service, and it, it seems to be on sh- ship to ship, like we sailed on the um, Royal in the early of the year, and we mm-hmm. were having similar problems. Uh, just... Um, it's a long night, and it was a little bit slow, and uh, the food was okay. So I'm sort of hoping they improve, and that was probably the only area where I said things were kind of lacking was in the specialty restaurants. Um, we did dine at Sabatini's mm. uh, one night. Uh, I love Sabatini's, too. and so, But we were with... Um, with quite a few officers that night. So we were treated very well. <laughs> nice. So let's talk about uh, entertainment aboard Crown Princess. Uh, what kind of entertainment did you experience and what were your thoughts? It was an odd cruise in that we really didn't participate in pretty much anything okay. to do with the entertainment on board. Um, sometimes it goes like that. Uh, mm-hmm. We didn't see any of the production shows, although they did have three production shows. And uh, they had, of course, some, some great en- live entertainment. I love Princess's live um, bands that they have throughout the ship. So, you you know, at least four different live bands are playing at one time. Um, there's a comedians and there's lots of stuff in the atrium, but again, with the two nights being in port and then the other two nights at a specialty just seemed to throw us off. I find myself the same way is, uh, sometimes I'll do the entertainment and sometimes I won't step foot into the theater one night on a seven night cruise. So, uh, yeah. Every cruise has its own ebb and flow. Do Mm -hmm. you find that? Yeah, absolutely. Let's, um, let's switch gears here because this was a, a very special cruise because usually when you think of a cruise, you think of you're going to a... Alaska, or you're going down to the Caribbean, but this was a California coastal cruise. So you started in Los Angeles, and you did Catalina, San Francisco, uh, Astoria, Victoria, and ended in Vancouver. So what were your impressions of a California coastal cruise versus like doing a Caribbean cruise like you did on Royal uh, earlier this year? California coastal, um, we've done a few of them before, but they've gone you know to uh, from LA back to LA. So this time it's um, it's nice that you know you're tending to stop in ports that have the you know typical American or Canadian type things, um, and everybody speaks the same language. So I do miss out on a bit of the culture that I get from visiting different countries, but it's sort of a nice 
kind of, you know, sort of like a, I want to say staycation where you kind of know, you know, if I want to get to Starbucks. I know there's a Starbucks. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that kind of thing. But it was, it was nice. And we got a chance to see so many of our friends that live in many of these areas that we were visiting. As living in the U.S., and I know that our, our cell phone plans may be different from you being in Canada, but I look forward to U.S. ports or U.S. territories because I could jump on my phone and get on Facebook. Do you, uh, do you find yourself doing the same thing? Like whenever you went to Victoria, were you thinking that or not really? I think we're quite a bit alike. Okay. Yeah, as soon as I could hook up to my uh, wireless network or even my uh, free Wi-Fi that I get through my provider, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I was doing it. Uh, and then there's also something... I don't know. There's just that that comfort of knowing, you know, what you're used to. So I never begrudge people who go to McDonald's when they're in Europe for one day because it's what they're used to. It makes them yeah. feel comfortable. So, um, you know, yeah, I could, I certainly can uh, agree to that. Um, getting on Wi-Fi, although for Canadians, unless we buy some roaming packages, I try to stay off and turn off my. <laughs> Uh, data mobility. <laughs> you, you mentioned McDonald's in Europe, and it's funny you say that because two years ago I was over there and I was uh, and doing the Tower of Pisa tour, and everyone was drinking mm-hmm. wine and eating Italian uh, right under the tower there. And I found a McDonald's mm-hmm. so I could hop on Wi-Fi, and they're like, "You're in this bucket list place, and you're in McDonald's. What's your problem?" <laughs> I'm like, I got pictures, I'm uploading them, it's all that really matters, but anyway, uh, let's talk about Astoria, that's, that's right. because Astoria, I got a chance to go there last fall, and I fell in love with mm. it, because it, to me, I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with the New England area, but it's very New Englandy mm-hmm. to me. Oh, I would totally agree with you, you're right. It made me think of sort of like um, like a Ketchikan, mm-hmm. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I've never been there either, and I have some fans on my Facebook page, and they live there, and they kept sending me all these places we had to go eat and try, and I, I really loved it. We had excellent weather, too, which I hear can be quite odd at this time of year because they supposedly get a lot of rain. But, yeah, we walked along the boardwalk there and went into a brew pub and got some wine and had a nice meal and... Yeah, I really connected with that area. I could certainly go back there on a land vacation because it's only about a couple hours drive for us, maybe four hours. Yeah, very cool. Did you uh, did you by chance check out the Maritime Museum? I actually didn't get to see too much of a story other than the brew pub. Okay. I know that doesn't say a lot of good things about me, but... <laughs> hey, fair enough. I'm the same way. So let's round this out here and talk about... Uh, you live in Vancouver, so it must have been fairly easy for you getting home. Very easy. In fact, we had the first walk-off... And I think we got off at, it was supposed to be for 7 o'clock. We got off at about 7.05. We didn't have to clear customs because we had docked in Victoria the day before. So we'd already cleared Canadian customs. So we just walked right off. We are very close to the uh, Canada Line SkyTrain station. So if anybody's listening and they're sailing to or from um, Alaska out of Vancouver and they want to go to the airport, save your money. Take the Sky Train. It will cost you two seventy five during on the weekends, a little bit more during the week, and it's like literally will take you right to the airport. So it's about a block from the pier. We were on that. We went to got it, get our car. We were home by I think nine thirty, and the wash was in. That's good. Now it's funny yeah. you, you say uh, the Sky Train is only two dollars and seventy five cents, mm. and it goes to the cruise pier to the airport. I just interviewed somebody mm-hmm. the other day, and they were sailing out of Vancouver, and they they think they spent like thirty five Canadian dollars on a cab from the airport to the actual cruise pier. Does it, does it actually pick you up right at the airport, the Sky Train? Yeah. Um, 
and it, I should know that the taxis from the airport to downtown are on a fixed price, and uh, I guess it's $35, but I know that they, they're trying to compete with the, um, things like Uber and the SkyTrain. So, yeah, it's um, 275 for an adult fare, and it's um, $4 during the week if you're going to the airport. It's a little bit more if you're leaving from the airport, and it takes you right right at the airport. It's closer than the rental car pickup. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it's right there. It's very easy. It's about a 20-minute SkyTrain ride, and uh, it just whips you about a block away from the pier. Now, it can get a little confusing when you're underground, so just ask anybody, and they will direct you. And if you can manage your suitcases, that's the way to go. Save yourself some money. Yeah, I noticed you got a great photo of Carnival Legend. My roommate's uh, sister was on that ship when you took the photo. Oh, really? Yeah, just small yeah. world. Well, I should have hooked up with her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good. We've been talking with Vicki Bone from Vancouver, Canada. She just got back from a seven-night repositioning cruise from L.A. to Vancouver. Uh, Vicky, we didn't get to talk about this. So I want to ask you, give me your final thoughts of uh, Crown Princess. Well, um, it's a great ship, but I have to give a huge plug for Princess for bringing in some of these itineraries up the California coast um, or some of the shorter cruises out of Vancouver, like you just did with the interview on the Ruby, because it's really nice to have more options for people to see some of this part of the world and to have an overnight in San Francisco, a huge plus. Very nice. If you want to find out more about Vicky, head to her Facebook page, Cruising Princess Cruise Line with Vicky. We'll also link to it in the show notes at cruiseradio.net. Vicky, always good talking to you. And uh, when's your next cruise? Well, I might jump on an Alaskan cruise this summer to celebrate a big 5-0 along with oh, Princess. Okay. So, um, and, but otherwise, we're heading to Europe to do our very first med cruise in October. Nice, nice. Very cool. We'll have to link back up with you after your Alaska cruise or your med cruise. So uh, it was good talking yeah. to you, and uh, have a great evening. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Doug, several months ago, you and I were aboard the uh, Carnival Legend for a Cigar City event, and it was, for me, overshadowed by the talent they had playing, because as a music lover, I'm always interested in new talent. And this is actually a young lady that my sister saw several months earlier on Legend and was telling me about it, Angie Kilhauer. How are you today? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm really excited to be talking to you. We became friends on Facebook a few months ago, and I've been following you, and I'm really, really excited about your career. And I know it's one of those things in the music industry when you, quote-unquote, discover someone, you want to tell the world about them, and I want to tell everyone I know about you. Well, thanks. Yeah, I, I know the feeling. I'll always be more of a fan of music than just a player. So like, I, my favorite thing is finding that piece of music that speaks to you and you just want to share it with the world. And it means a lot that you, that you say that about what I do. That, that really means a lot. Well, I've been in the music industry uh, for about 30 years now, and you're one of the most talented people I've ever seen. So let's jump right into your backstory because it's really interesting how you went from having a Hope Scholarship and your college studies and your work history to teaching yourself guitar. Tell us about that. Well, I got my first guitar when I first moved to the States. I, I was actually born in El Salvador, and uh, family, I have four sisters, we all moved up to uh, near Atlanta, Georgia, Marietta, Georgia, um, when I was about 11. And that's around the time that I got my first guitar. And I was kind of I was kind of an awkward kid. I think I kind of really wanted people to like me. So I was, I, it was hard for me to kind of fit in. And my guitar was kind of this way to be like, you know, I thought it was something cool, and it cool way to bring up conversation and you know it's so easy to make friends when you start talking music you know yeah and I think that's where I kind of fell in love with it it wasn't just just the playing music but it was 
you know, someone taking the time to say, hey, check out this band. Like, I think it's like the greatest band ever. Here, I burned you a CD. All of a sudden, I had things to talk about with people. And I think that was my first real taste of the community that music can bring you, you know? Yeah, and music really is the universal language. I mean, everyone can connect. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. So you were studying two different things in college and also, I think, working two jobs when you were teaching yourself guitar. Yeah, well, I, I was, when I was at Georgia Tech, I just worked at the gym there, the CRC. Uh, and then after my second year at Georgia Tech, I was having, I was so, I was having such a hard time in the Hope Scholarship. I was getting so stressed out by the end of the semester. So I decided to transfer to University of North Georgia as a biology student. And when I transferred to University of North Georgia, I started working 50 hours a week at a Mustang only salvage yard. <laughs> I've always loved cars. I know, it's weird, but uh, it's still a passion of mine. I, I absolutely adore working on cars. I have my Prius now, and I'm, I got my hands all over it. I love, <laughs> I love fixing them and making them and all sorts of stuff. So how did you come to play on Carnival Ships? How did that whole thing happen? Well, I was, you know, I feel like especially when you're around, you know, the age where you're in college, things start to go wrong. You start really feeling the burden of your bills, you know, for the first time. And my second semester at University of North Georgia was kind of where everything started, like everything just kept going wrong. Like my car was just one thing after another that I had to fix. And I kept running out of money. And I remember about a month and a half before I was offered the job on Carnival, I had to sell my guitar, my beautiful Taylor guitar, um, because I couldn't, I couldn't pay for rent and I couldn't work as many hours because my finals were coming up and I was really stressed out. And uh, Andres Felicia from... ProShip Entertainment. He's an agency that 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 uh, promotes music on Carnival Ships. So he asked me if he could pitch me Carnival, and I was like, absolutely. And I sent an email to him ages ago, never got a response. And I was like, absolutely, go for it. Not thinking anything would happen of it. Two weeks later, he was like, okay, there's uh, your ticket, your ticket to Miami is in your inbox. You're going two weeks. You're, you need to go get finish your medical up. Like go like and get all this stuff done. And the reason they kind of ushered me through it was because somebody had just quit or something and needed someone to fill in that contract so I got really lucky and the second I got on carnival ships my entire life changed my entire life changed so then you started getting I, uh, noticed I by made, some big names like but, Kenny Chesney right yes um I think that was the first big like, official break that I've ever had I had a couple like small breaks before getting my getting my first booking agent and playing you know, for smaller tours that were paid and started to breaking even. I think that was my first, like, step, stepping stone. But then on Carnival, I was making, I finally had enough money to make real videos. You know, I bought myself a nice DSLR camera, nothing really special, just a bottom-level DSLR uh, camera. And then I bought a USB microphone as well. Uh, and with those two things and my computer, I was able to start creating an online base to really show people back home what I was doing and not being able to just put my stuff in an authentic way up on the internet hugely helped me find the people that wanted to hear what I was doing. And so I started putting up these videos of songs that I really liked. Kenny Chesney's always been one of my favorite artists. Uh, and he was, he came out with a new song called American kids. So I, I decided to cover it and it was like at two in the morning. Cause I could only, I could only record it like, two or three in the morning on the shift when everyone was asleep. I recorded that song incredibly tired. If you look at the video, like you can tell, like I've had a long day. <laughs> and I, I remember thinking to myself by the time it was finished, I was like, what am I doing? Like, I'm not like I'm getting paid to do this. Like, I just like, I just wanted to do it. I couldn't not do music. And it was always the case from when I can, when I can remember. And it just so happened the next day, I opened my computer up and log into the internet. And, um, I just, 
I'm overwhelmed with all these messages and like, I'm like, something just happened. It's just the only thing going through my head. And all these people come, like start saying, like, dude, you're on Kenny Chesney's like Facebook. Like, Kenny Chesney, how do you know Kenny Chesney? I can't believe you met Kenny Chesney something like that. And, you know, and people were going crazy. And um, then I get a call um, from someone the next day in Miami, and they're like, I just heard you on the radio. You're not going to believe this. And this is a friend on the cruise ship that I met who's from Texas. And I was like, what do you mean you just heard me on the radio? And she's like, they're playing your cover of Kenny Chesney's American Kids on Sirius XM The Highway. They, I just heard you on the radio. I was like, I know this voice. I heard you on the cruise. And so all of this kind of happened at once, and I gained a lot of followers from that. He put me in a press release that um, he released internationally. It was just, it was just a small thing that he did that just hugely, not just helped me in a, you know, a business sense of like being able to reach more people, but he also helped me in an emotional sense. Because as an artist, you know, you, you put yourself out there. You just, you just say, this is what I'm doing, and it's up to people in the community to say whether or not what you're doing is valuable. You know, not just in an emotional sense, but in a monetary sense, you know? And all of a sudden, all these people were reaching out to me and saying, we like what you do. We like what you do. And that just kind of solidified my desire to do this for full time. Well, I don't think Kenny Chesney and I have a lot in common, but we both do really dig what you do. So we got, we got that in common for sure. <laughs> so thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the interview. I appreciate it. Any, anybody that wants to get in touch with me, feel free. You know, I'm not hard to talk to. I always... I'd always like to, to meet new people. So anyone listening in, um, my name is Angie Kilhauer again. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever your social media choice is. Thanks, Angie. Thank you. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Overseas Radio Network, iTunes, or at CruiseRadio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.